official Jets podcast is presented by WinBet. Betting is a team sport. Bet together at WinBet. It has been too long. Leger Duzable is back on the pod. How are you? I'm doing good, EA. How are you doing, man? It's almost draft week. Uh, it's almost draft week. We're a couple weeks away. You've had some exciting personal news. So congratulations to you. How are you and the new family? <laughs> I'm good, man. Yeah, I jumped the broom yesterday. So feeling good, man. Still in marital bliss, marital, marital bliss, as they would say. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm walking on cloud nine. But you are one of the most hardworking guys in this business. Are you going to take a honeymoon at some point? We're recording one day after you put the <laughs> ring on. Everybody says that, man. My my wife knows who she married, and, and she knew that the draft was coming up. So we, we agreed to go in mid-May. So we're going to take our honeymoon in mid-May. Uh, good stuff. She's man. a trooper. That's She's a real one. Uh, many, ble <laughs> many blessings to you guys, and I know you're going to have great adventures ahead. Speaking of adventures, what is it like for you as far as your draft preparation? Because the one thing that really always stands out to me is that you love to watch guys in person. Tape is very important, but you like getting on the road and watching guys do it in front of you. Yeah, my draft prep starts during the fall, EA, and and I'm blessed to call college football, so I actually get a leg up on a, a lot of these things com uh, compared to other guys breaking down the draft because I actually get to see a lot of these guys up close and personal. So being able to call college games, I get to see up close and personal, whether it's, you know, pregame down on the field or calling the game live, you get to see, you know, some physical presence of guys. You know, we were talking about this earlier, Darnell Wright, right? You see the physicality on tape. But it's totally different when I went to the Senior Bowl and I got to see it at field level, being on the field and seeing this guy dominate guys left and right. It's a whole different feel when you get to see it up close and personal. I, uh, I'm glad you mentioned Darnell Wright. Last year, we were both in Mobile. Robert Sala, of course, and his staff were coaching up those guys, yep. as were the Detroit Lions. Both those teams, I would argue, two of the NFL's biggest surprises, the Jets would have been in the playoffs last season had they not fallen apart down the stretch, largely due to injury, and Detroit really made a number of great strides. But last year, you came out of Mobile, I'll never forget this, talking up Jermaine Johnson, and now you're talking up a guy on the other side of the line of scrimmage in Darnell Wright. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Jermaine Johnson was my favorite player in Mobile. Matter of fact, he dominated so well the first two days. Decided to leave because the only thing yep. that could have helped that happen was him hurt his draft stock after that. Um, Darnell Wright technically could have did the same thing this year, EA, but that shows what type of competitor he is. Not that Jermaine isn't right. You got to make smart business decisions. If you feel like you're at the, the pinnacle of where you could be draft status wise, why put yourself in harm's way? And Jermaine Johnson was smart and he left Mobile. Uh, Darnell Wright, right? I think coming into Mobile, a lot of people saw him maybe as a second, third round pick. I think after Mobile and then going back and re-watching the tape and getting some affirmations, uh, I would not be surprised if this guy's a top 15 pick in this draft, EA. Honestly, some talent evaluators and guys I've talked to have him as the number one tackle, you know, in this draft class. And you can see why, right? The physicality that he brings. Now, he struggled the year before at playing at left tackle. I think he's more naturally built for the right side. He's more dominant on that right side. And then you turn on the film, right, versus Trayvon Walker, you know, two years ago, and then this past year versus Will Anderson, who people consider the best prospect in this draft class. 
he put them in the blender EA. Like it was almost like they weren't even at the game. That's how dominant this guy is. Like if you put your best rusher on his side, he can make them disappear. And that's essentially what he did for the Tennessee Vols. And then again, at the senior bowl where, you know, you get some of the best players in the nation dominated there too. had some really good battles with Will McDonald from Iowa state, who a lot of people consider to be a, probably a better pro prospect than college had a lot of production two years ago and the year before that, they kind of switched their scheme up this year in Iowa state and kind of had him reduced head up on the tackle. That's not what he's going to be doing in the NFL. He's going to be coming off the edge and rushing. They had a lot of good battles EA. And I think both of those guys ultimately probably end up in the first round. If the Jets do indeed keep that 13th overall selection, which we believe they will, many pundits think that ultimately it's going to come down to the best tackle available. Is that the way you view it right now? And also connect it, the Jets' current landscape at the position. Because Dwayne Brown basically toughed it out all year. He could have took a paycheck, and he was playing with one arm. Unbelievable season uh, from my vantage point. Makai Becton, he's been on social media showing people the work that he's put into his body throughout the the offseason. And then the Jets were really happy about where Max Mitchell was at because when they drafted him in the fourth round last year, they were talking about, hey, this is more of a developmental player. He was forced into the starting lineup, and they liked the play they got out of him. So can you talk about these tackles in the draft and also Mm -hmm. where the Jets are at the position. Yeah, before we get into that, yeah, I would like to go ahead and give Joe D some love because I know he was kind of under scrutiny, right, because of what mm-hmm. happened at the tackle position. But if you're a GM, what more can you do, right? You literally brought in Dwayne Brown, right, who was a perennial pro bowler because Makai Becton got hurt. George Fant was a guy that played at a high level the year before. And you, you drafted Max Mitchell. So you had four guys for two spots, <laughs> and all four got hurt. So what can you do in that scenario if you're Joe yeah. Douglas? So just want to give him a shout out because we know that Joe Douglas likes to build his teams from the trenches back, right? And he tried to do his best to make sure he had enough players for those two spots, but all four got hurt. And then a guy that they took in the first round the year before that, Elijah Vera Tucker, who I think could be a perennial all pro at guard. He moved out to left tackle and looked really well. And then he got hurt. So it's like, <laughs> what do you do? So if, if you're looking at this draft, right, I think they are going to go offensive tackle. We don't know what Dwayne Brown is going to ultimately do. Is he going to come back and play another year? I think I know last time, you know, I talked to Robert Sala and the last time Robert Sala did a press conference, he says they're working through that right now. Right. Makai Becton, to your point, EA looks really good, but the injury history is there. Right. He hasn't been available. Max Mitchell looked really good. And then he ended up getting hurt and uh, had to sit out for the rest of the year due to some, un, you know, un, un untimely circumstances when yeah. it came to health, right? So it was tough for that kid. It sucked for him because he's playing really well, too, for a fourth-round pick to be thrust into the starting lineup. But I don't think that was the plan coming into the season. So now you look at it like this. Does Dwayne Brown come back? If yes, all right, we got some depth, right? Makai Beckton's there, Max Mitchell. We have three guys, hopefully, that can stay healthy and play. I think you still got to add an offensive tackle for the future, right? Because Dwayne Brown's on his last year. You got to figure out what you're going to do with Makai Beckton in the fifth-year option, you're probably not going to pick it up. So, essentially, he could be free after this year as well. So, you talk about not having any depth at the offensive tackle position, being right back where you were last year. So, as you break it down, Paris Johnson, to me, the offensive tackle from Ohio State, is the best pure left tackle in this draft. Now, he does have flexibility 
because he played guard all last year and before that, before moving to left tackle. But as far as just pure left tackle, I think he's the best in this draft. Peter Skoronski, uh, I don't think he's a left tackle in the league, even though he played that at Northwestern. I think he's better suited to play right tackle. People talked about his arm length. I think he'd be a really good guard as well, too. But I think he can really play at right tackle and be good. And then if you need him to move into guard, I think there won't be any fall off if he does move into guard. A lot of people have already penciled him in at guard at the next level because of the arm length and that being a concern, right? And if you look at some of the people that have given him issues before, some longer length, you know, defensive ends have he struggled with. So, I mean, maybe that's the, the issue when you come when it comes to arm length and Peter Skoronsky. Broderick Jones, to me, EA, has the the, the highest ceiling out of everybody. Yeah. I mean, the athletic ability that he has. A lot of people have penciled him in at 13 to the Jets, which makes a lot of sense because he does have the flexibility to play left or right tackle. So, say Dwayne Brown does come back, you could play him at your right tackle. Um, I think he maybe could even play some guard, too. But I think he's a guy that, you know, coming out has a higher ceiling than Andrew Thomas. And we saw Andrew Thomas take a big leap this last year, and he's a really good tackle. But I think – Roderick Jones could be even better. Let's not forget, he's young, EA. This kid's 21 years but, old. He has a lot of room to grow. So I think yeah. he could be, he could be as far as having the highest ceiling out of all four, I think it's him. And then talking about the most physically dominant tackle, it's without a doubt Darnell Wright, right? I mean, struggled last year at left tackle, moved to right tackle, and was all world this year. We talked about it. Some of the guys he's faced, Will Anderson, made him disappear on film. And a lot of people have Will Anderson as the number one prospect in this draft. Right. Uh, you talk about Trayvon Walker, who went number one overall last year, ate his lunch, too. So, like, this is a guy that can be physically dominant and then he's going to make your run game elite from day one. So if you're looking for somebody to come in and jumpstart your run game, look no further than Darnell Wright. I think Douglas continues to be crafty in free agency, most recently with the signing of Quentin Jefferson, a guy who played well. In Seattle last season, I believe a career high in sacks, five and a half sacks. So you add him to the rotation because defensive tackle, certainly a need after Sheldon Rankin's departure in free agency to got a nice deal with D'Amico Ryans in Houston as they try to rebuild that thing. The kick is strained. Nathan Shepard now in New Orleans, Solomon Thomas um, back. But it. So they add Jefferson, but the reason why I bring him up is do you think the Jets possibly on the other side of the ball could add a center before the draft so that they don't have to go into the draft with that immediate need? Yeah, I think so. They've been linked with Ben Jones right now. The yep. thing about Ben Jones, he's tough, right? He ain't tough as nails, glass eater, but he's been banged up and he's older. Right. So that's a concern when you look at it from that standpoint, because the Jets had so many injuries last year on the offensive line. If you bring in an Aaron Rodgers, who's an older quarterback, I mean, his passer rating when he's had a clean pocket is night and day from when he hasn't had a clean pocket. So, like, you want to make sure you have some continuity on offensive line. You want to make sure that you can line up all five pieces for the majority of the season. And Ben Jones has had some issues. So I think whether they bring Ben Jones in or not, EA, I would not be surprised if they still address center in this draft. I don't know what round it would be, maybe fourth, second round. We'll see right now. They got those two twos. Um, I don't know what they'll do. Who knows how things shake out. Say top, the top four offensive tackles are off the board at 13 Do the Jets trade back and get some more draft capital, right? That could be an option as well. So I, I could see them addressing that, you know, center, because I think that's more of a need right now, especially with the signing of Quentin Jefferson, the defensive tackle. Now, don't get it twisted, right? With the way this defensive line rotates, you definitely need another defensive tackle to put in there with, with Quentin Williams, right? Because Quentin Jefferson 
for all intents and purposes, is more of a pass rush guy on third down. He's a guy that can give you some five technique reps, but I mean, the Jets are deep at defensive end. They don't need another guy that can line up outside and, and you know play on the rundowns. Now Jefferson can play in at the three technique on rundowns, but he's more of a pass rushing three techniques. So I think they need another guy that could be stout inside with Quentin Williams, but also has the ability to get up the field and wreak havoc. It depends on what they do in the second round, right? Keanu Benton is a guy I really like from Wisconsin. Uh, out of Tamawa, out of Barre from Northwestern's another guy that if he falls to the second round makes a lot of sense because they fit the philosophy that Robert Sala likes, right? Foot speed and strain. Both of those guys constantly try to get to the quarterback and there's no quitting them. What do you make of the receiver position? I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but, you know, that's a revamp room. You still have the headliner. You know, that's Garrett Wilson. That's your number one. He was always yeah. going to be your number one. We knew that. Uh, but the Jets go out in free agency. They sign Alan Lazard. Of course, he's got the familiarity with Nathaniel Hackett. He's got the familiarity with Aaron Rodgers if a trade does indeed happen. Then at the slot position, Elijah Moore in a third-round pick, goes to Cleveland in exchange for a second-round pick, and then the Jets bring in a versatile burner in McCole Hardman Jr. Of course, Braxton Berrios signs with the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, so I think the Jets will be looking to add one more receiver. We don't know what round it will be in. There's actually pretty good depth in this receiver you know, class. I think Jaden Reed is a guy that if he's there in the fourth round, makes a lot of sense from Michigan State for the Jets. And, and then we talked about it, right, EA? Say all four of the top Offensive tackles are are gone. Does Jackson Smith and Jigba become a name at 13? Now, the Texans pick at 12, so I don't know if they, you know, would let him go, especially if they get Bryce Young at number two. I think it just makes too much sense for them not to take him. I don't know if you take Quentin Johnson. That's why you kind of sign Alan Lazard. Same type of body type, same type of mold. They don't have a, you know, unique route tree, but they're guys that can go up and get the 50-50 jump balls. Those those drag routes coming across the middle, they're both good at that. So I don't think you go Quentin Johnson. Maybe Jordan Addison is a name that you look at, right? He's got some position flexibility where he could play in the slot as well. So that's a guy they could potentially look at. I just think if Jackson Smith and Jigba is gone, the top four tackles are gone, I would not be surprised if Joe Douglas traded back. But receiver could be a pick they take in the first round only if all four offensive tackles are gone. But it's also because, like I talk about, it's pretty good depth at this receiver class. I can see them waiting until the fourth round to go get a receiver. A trade back would be interesting, no doubt about that. Uh, what did you think about the Jets' interest in Odell Beckham and the money he got from the Baltimore Ravens? And Joe Douglas continues to stick to his plan, and I think that's another example of it, isn't it? Oh, 100%. And shout out to Odell. I I'm, I'm, I couldn't be more ecstatic. Now, I knew the Jets were never going to pay that much, right? Because right. he essentially got $15 million guaranteed with a chance to make $18 mil. Like, that's literally, like, top number one receiver money in the league. And he didn't play all last year, EA. He's coming off an ACL, and I think he turns 31 this year. And I love Odell, but Father Time is undefeated, right? Teams, I had a GM tell me once, we'd rather pay a guy – you know, let a guy leave one year too early than one year too late, right? That's the philosophy. It's the old Pittsburgh Steelers philosophy. Yeah, that's that's the philosophy of a lot of these teams. So, like, I'm so happy from a player's point of view that Odell got that, especially coming off an injury. I just know Joe Douglas was never going to pay that. Now, I think they, the Jets were willing to pay more than people thought they would. Now, I've heard around $12 million, which I was surprised, right? I thought wow. it would be more of a $9 million 
type deal with incentives to make it up to like 15 or you know 16 million dollars but i from what i've heard that potentially the jets were willing to pay 12 million dollars with some incentives to, to you know to, to bump that number up but i don't think they were ever going to get close to 18 million dollars whether it was incentive based or not Jets fans, we're in our final push and the clock is ticking. WinBet is giving you a golden opportunity to win VIP prizes for the 2023 season. The WinBet Green Room is the most exclusive space at the stadium with all-inclusive food and beverage, lower-level seats, and appearances by Jets legends and celebrities. New Jersey customers, all you need to do is wager at least $100 on WinBet's sportsbook or casino. For New York customers, all you need to do is wager at least $100 on WinBet's sportsbook. The best part? You get an entry for every $100 you wager. Rodgers. He's still a member of the Green Bay Packers. Right Joe now. Douglas on record <laughs> in Arizona at the league meetings saying that, hey, these teams have had productive conversations. I know uh, Joe D was at an event the other night uh, where a lot of fans were at, and he was asked about it by Boomer Esiason. The Packers continue to be asked about the situation themselves. Um, when do you see the next flashpoint? We're two weeks out from the NFL draft right now. Yeah, EA, it's, it's getting to the point where it, something just needs to get done. I think Literally, the date that we're looking at is either the 27th or the 28th. Those are the first two days of the draft. If you're Green Bay, like, you would have to think something has to get done before then because you would want draft capital to add to your roster, right, to truly evaluate Jordan Love. You would think, right, the betting man would believe that. Um, and from what I've heard, EA, I know they've had production conversations, uh, productive conversations, but it seems lately that both teams are kind of dug their heels in and, and nobody's willing to to blink, essentially, is the word that comes to mind, EA. Uh, to me, it, if you're Green Bay, this is not even just being a homer, right? Aaron Rodgers was going to retire. That means $40 million is going to be stuck on your books. Now, you could have allocated that through multiple seasons, but at the end of the day, you still would have had to pay that bill, right? The Jets are taking that bill off your hand, right? And if Aaron Rodgers decides to, to change things up and show up, when offseason programs start for Green Bay, you owe him $60 million in a locker room where everybody thought that you guys are moving forward with Jordan Love. You've already come out publicly and said, you know, the only way Aaron Rodgers is back with us is if things don't go the way we want them to go. That was your president, Mark Murphy. That's what he said, right? Brian Gutekunst said supposedly the conversations weren't as fluid with him and Aaron Rodgers going into the offseason when he went into the dark hole. You know, you know, he was supposed to call us. It didn't happen. Aaron Rodgers says, you know, after coming out of the black hole, he's supposed to have a conversation with him. But when he came out of the black hole, it was Jordan Love's going to be our quarterback. So, like, what are we doing here, EA? At the end of the day, like, I know, you know, the Jet fans are tired of this. The Green Bay Packers fans have to be tired of it. They think they're getting a first-round pick. Like, Joe Douglas is not giving the Green Bay Packers a first-round pick for Aaron Rodgers. One, he's a 38, 39-year-old quarterback, I believe. And we don't know how many years he's going to play. Now, we know he'll play the 23 season, but who knows what's going to happen in 24? So you're right back in this position again a year from now, EA needing a quarterback if Aaron Rodgers doesn't play two years. So at the end of the day, I think they just need to come to terms, whether it's a second-round pick this year, a conditional third next year, depending on Aaron Rodgers, 
if he plays. And then they can even do it where it's prorated by stats, EA, right? Say Aaron Rodgers hits a, a crazy stat line. He throws for 4,000 yards. The Jets go to the divisional AFC Championship game. Then it moves up to a second-round pick. And get the deal done so both teams can move forward. Because right now both teams are at a standstill. Because if you look at what Green Bay has done this offseason, they haven't done anything, EA. They're at a standstill because of that number that Aaron Rodgers has on the books. And the Jets have made some moves, right? Alan Lazar, Nicole Harmon, Quinn, and Jefferson. But they're still kind of at a standstill as far as what they're going to do in the draft because right now they have those two second-round picks that you talked about, but a lot of people assume one of those picks are going to Green Bay. So I think Joe Douglas and his staff probably have two, you know, they have two routes they're going to take, whether the trade gets done before the draft or after the draft. Right now, they're probably assuming that the trade gets done, so they're going to probably assume they only got one second-round pick. But as time gets closer, they're going to have to have a plan drawn up where they're going to have to use both of those second-round picks just in case the trade doesn't happen before the draft. Man, that would be such an interesting Thursday night if we. Oh get yes, through, it would. <laughs> if we get through round one, and and no trade. But I, I, that's it, why I said the twenty eighth because you got to think the first two day to draft the first two days the draft starts later in the afternoon, right? So I think it's like seven o'clock, right? If I'm not mistaken, um, so you literally have all Thursday night throughout the draft and then Friday morning. A lot of those, you know, things happen literally like minutes before the pick happens. So I think that could happen. We saw the A.J. Brown trade happen on draft night, right? So it's like you got to have your plans ready if you're Joe Douglas and the staff just in case things go left and the trade doesn't happen before the draft. You got to be prepared to to use both of those second-round picks whether you trade back on the second one or you're ready to pick two players at 42 and 43. Jets had they had health down the stretch they were a playoff team last year but they didn't have health and they weren't a playoff team and we saw it fall apart what are they if Rodgers is wearing green and white next season what are they they're a playoff team competing for the AFC East uh uh, crown right they competed for it last year for most of the season you talked about EA injuries and then you know up and down quarterback play kind of hurt them last year down the stretch so if they have Aaron Rodgers in quote unquote, in a down year, Aaron Rodgers threw for almost 3,700 yards, EA, 26 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. And I know, dude, to your point, to your point, Randy Lang, our great statistician here, editor, feature writer, he's done everything here for the Jets. He looked up Rodgers' numbers, 2022, and compared it to every single season passer in Jets franchise history. That would have been... One of the best seasons (laughs) in Jets franchise history. What he did last season. That's what I'm saying. So even in a down year, Aaron Rodgers would have had the Jets in the playoffs because that would have been statistically one of the best years a Jets quarterback has ever had. And it's crazy to think that's a off year for Aaron Rodgers. If you look at the league as a whole, like that's a good year for most quarterbacks in the NFL, but that's a subpar year for Aaron Rodgers. So that lets you know the skill set that Aaron Rodgers brings. Even in a off or quote-unquote down year, Right, him throwing for almost 3,700 yards puts the Jets probably in, you know, AFC East contention to win it. Because let's not forget, I believe five games that the Jets lost, right? The defense gave up 20 points or less. So if Aaron Rodgers just averages 21 points, the Jets have five more wins. That's 12 wins, EA, on the season to put that into the perspective. I, I know. Obviously, a lot of pressure on any GM. Uh, Joe Douglas, it's got to feel a little bit different this year as opposed to last year. Yes, the Rodgers thing is the big piece out there. As uh, Woody Johnson said at the beginning of the offseason, quarterback's been kind of the missing link. So 
let's just assume that down the line this trade's going to happen. Douglas last year had to hit a home run in the draft, and you look back at it, he might have hit a grand slam. <laughs> yeah, EA, I think we said this last year on the podcast and throughout other shows. To me, it was a franchise-deciding uh, draft, right, when it came to what Joe D did last year. You're talking about getting Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson with your first two picks, right? Uh, Garrett Wilson, for all intents and purposes, should have been up for the Pro Bowl because he played with four different quarterbacks, EA. We saw what Sauce Gardner did. He was all pro for a reason, right? He literally shut down everybody that was outside. To come in and lead the league in PBUs as a rookie is something amazing. And, again, DJ Reed. And let's not talk about what Joe Douglas did in the offseason, too, right? Getting guys like DJ Reed and Tyler Conklin, who had a quiet, actually really good season as well. So, like, that and then getting Brees Hall in the second round. Jermaine Johnson was playing really well before the foot injury. Got him in the first round. And then Max Mitchell and Michael Clemens in the fourth round. Like, how many times is your fourth round picks, are are they called upon their, their first year and they take significant snaps, but hold up, right? That rarely happens, EA. So the due diligence of this, you know, you know, scouting department and Joe Douglas and his staff, you have to give them a kudos because they did a really good job in that draft, not only in the draft, but also in free agency. All right, I don't want to give everything away that, you said during the Jets overtime taping, you can watch that <laughs> CBS Saturday night, 1130. We're going to preview the offense, the offensive side of things as far as the 2023 NFL draft. And then next week, we're going to preview the defense. But one of your favorite guys overall, you talked about your infatuation with Darnell Wright, how impressed you are with him. You like another guy in the SEC, a playmaker, a running back. Everybody's talking about B. John Robinson. You, in fact, uh, have your eyes set on somebody else. Yeah, Jameer Gibbs. I have him as a first-round running back, and I don't take that lightly because I'm a big on positional value, guys. I feel like you can get more value in the second, third round with running backs. But he's an elite talent, right? When you talk about, first and foremost, let's just go to special teams route, EA. The, the return mm -hmm. ability in the kickoff return game. He's a game changer when it comes to that. Then you're talking about a guy that has contact balance like Alvin Kamara, where guys just bounce off him. I mean, Drew Sanders, a lot of people consider him the number one linebacker in this draft class. Go turn on that Arkansas film and see how many times Drew Sanders missed a tackle on this guy and just bounced off him where people thought he was tackled for loss. Next thing you know, he's got five or six yards, EA. So you talk about the contact balance and then the explosiveness and speed, right? Game changer, screen plays, zone plays, being able to take it 60, 70 yards and outrun angles. That's what Jameer Gibbs gives you. Now, Bijan Robinson gives you a lot of that as well, too, as far as catching and catching the ball out of the backfield. He's a tough guy to bring down, right? I just like the explosiveness of Jameer Gibbs a little bit better. Interesting. This has been great. You got a roll. Uh, let's end here. Top three needs for the Jets, quarterback aside, top three yeah. needs entering this. I would draft. say offensive tackle for sure, center, and then defensive tackle in that order too. Offensive tackle, Perfect. center, then D tackle. Perfect. Uh, for those of you locally, you can check dues out Saturday night, Jets overtime, CBS 1130, and we're also going to make that available on NewYorkJets.com and YouTube. Great seeing you, my friend. You as well, yeah, appreciate it.